Okay, so last week, Pastor Will talked about King David, and his message was full of, like, fighting lions and giants and, like, love and then, like, really bad decisions, and, but really, ultimately, how God loves it when we give him our heart. So I want to fast forward this week, a couple hundred years later, like 500 years later or so, um, to the land of Persia, which is now um, modern-day Iran. And so most of you know that I'm the nursery pastor here, so I'm going to go a little bit nursery pastor on you, but it's going to be good, so stick with me. Once upon a time, in the land of Persia, in the reign of King Xerxes, there was a Jewish girl named Hadassah. She had a secret. She was beautiful. So beautiful, inside and out. She wasn't like those popular girls. You know that movie Mean Girls, where they're like really, really pretty, but really ugly on the inside? That wasn't Hadassah. She was more than just a pretty face. She had favor from the Lord. When she was little, her her parents died, and so her cousin had to raise her. I call him Uncle Mordecai. When Hadassah got a little bit older, King Xerxes began to look for a new queen, So the previous queen didn't come when he summoned her, and this just, like, infuriated him. So she was banished from his presence, like, forever, and so he needed to search for a new queen. So Hadassah is now a little bit older, and she, just as she was, won the admiration of everyone around her, including the king. I kind of picture her like Cinderella, like, she's probably, like, singing and dancing with the animals and, like, taking care of everyone and... She was, like, really, really sweet and nice, but not just that. She was, like, pretty, too, so it was just, like, the icing on the cake. So King Xerxes begins a search, and it probably went something like this. So I, I picture this is how King Xerxes found Hadassah, okay? So she just, like, stood out, like, more than anyone else that was brought before him, and he was just smitten with her, or, in other words, he just thought she was hot. So he fell in love with her, and he crowned her queen, But because Hadassah had a secret, she told the king that her name was Esther. If her secret gets out, she could be killed. It could cost her her life. So Queen Esther comes into power because of the favor and the beauty the Lord had given her. And all is well in the land of of Persia until evil Haman takes the scene. King Xerxes had promoted him. to the most powerful official in the kingdom. And, and Haman was an Agagite. So everyone would bow to Haman when he'd walk by, except for good old Mordecai. He just wouldn't do it. Mordecai was a Jew, and so he loved God, and he was only going to bow to God. He wasn't going to bow to some Haman. So this made Haman livid. Like the cartoon where like smoke's like coming out of their ears, and he's just like red in the face. He's just like mad as fire, okay? So like something you should know is that Agagites actually hated Jews. Like they were enemies. They, they wanted to see these people killed. So it wasn't just Mordecai that Haman wanted to see killed. It wasn't just because he like made him mad. He wanted to see all of the Jews killed. Jews were God's chosen people. They loved God and God loved them. So Haman, in his evil schemes, he goes to the king. He's like, hey, king, hey, buddy, old pal, there's this people group, and they suck. And they're like weird, and they worship their own god. They don't worship you. So I'll make you a deal. If you let me, I will pay the kingdom to have them just killed, all of them. Not just like Mordecai, but like every single one. So King Xerxes, like... Real flippant about it. He's like, sure, why not? It's your money. Do what you want. I don't care. 
But wait, do you remember? Queen Esther has a secret. The secret was about her nationality. The secret was that she was a Jew. And no one knew this, not even the king. So at this point, the king just gave Haman permission to kill the queen whom he loved. Sometimes I think the king should have been a little bit more attentive to like who he's like telling people can kill. I don't know, just, just a thought. So, so Mordecai finds out what's going on, and Mordecai is just like a mess. His entire race is about to be just like annihilated off the face of the planet, gone forever. So he sends Esther a messenger, and the messenger's like, you know, trying to tell her what's going on. Um, I think it looked kind of something like this. No, 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 no! No, this can't be happening! They're going to kill all the Jews! They're going to kill all of the Jewish people! They're going to kill all my people! This, no! Esther, 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 um, yeah. did you hear Mordecai, he's wigging out in the streets, he tore off all of his clothes, he's throwing a tantrum, it's, it's actually really embarrassing, you should do something about it. Yeah. Wait, he, he took off his clothes? <laughs> Gross, yeah. <laughs> That's not a good look for him. Okay, yeah. I think I know what's going on. Sometimes he gets really upset when the buffet runs out of food. So this is what we need to do. Give him some clothes. Okay. Get him clothed again. That's the best thing you can do. And go figure out what he's freaking out about. Maybe we can calm him down. Uh, okay. All right, All right. Go. Right. go. I'm going to be right back. Go. Hey. Hey, Mordecai. What? Holy. Who is it? Come closer. Who are you? Oh, cows. Hey, Mordecai. Um, first of all, Queen Esther, she found out that you're, you're throwing a tantrum. She wants to know what's up. Also, I got you these new robes and, uh, oh, man, these sick new Air Jonas. Yeah, put those on. What are those? Uh, I, don't ha I don't want your stupid pity clothes, do you? I just read a decree that the king is going to kill all of my people. He's going to kill the Jews. Okay. Is that a good enough reason to be upset? Um, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm going to ask yeah. you. All right, yeah, you go. Give me one minute. Hang on. Run. I really need a new job. Hey, uh, all right, Esther. Hi. What did you find out? All right, here's the deal. Mordecai. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All right. He found out that the king is trying to kill all the Jewish people, all of them. Is that a good enough reason to be mad? What? Yeah. He's gonna just kill all the Jews? Yeah. He's just gonna do that for whatever reason? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good enough reason to be upset. It is. Yeah. Go. So I should talk. Okay, Go. Give me a minute. Go. Oh my goodness. What a job. Hey, uh. Hey, Mordecai. Yeah. What's up? It's a good reason. Oh, good. I'm yeah. really glad we solved that part. Yeah. I'm really glad we got that settled. Oh. Okay, yeah. you need to go to Esther, and okay. you need to tell her to plead before the king. Plead. I'm talking like, please, plead. Do you understand what plead? Beg. I got you. I, I, need, yeah. to, I need her. She's the only one who can convince him not to. He can't go through with this. So I should... Yeah, go. Okay. Run. Okay. Run. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right, oh, no! Esther. Oh, easy. All right, here's the deal. You really need to go before the king 
and plead not to kill all these people. You're the only one that can do it. That's, that's what he said. I can't. You have to. He'll kill me. If I go into his chambers without him inviting me, he will literally kill me. If I walk in there and he doesn't raise up his scepter to accept me, okay. he will kill me. I will die. Does he really want that to happen to me? How should Go! I'll be right back. Oh. I'm just walk this one out. Holy cow, I got some side cramp. All right, Mordecai, here's what's up. Esther, she's really scared to go before the king because if he doesn't put up his scepter, he's going to kill her. Do you really want that to happen? Well, I mean, of course I, of course I don't want her to die. No. But, if, but if she won't do it, who will? So Queen Esther could die. She could literally be killed if she goes before the king. And Mordecai wants her to go beg for mercy on her people. So she's faced with this choice. She can go plead before the king, ask, save my people, or she could just not and die with the entire, her entire race. So she asks the Jews, all the Jews all over, she says, hey, let's all of us, let's all fast and pray for three days straight. Three days with no food, that's a lot to ask. But yeah, okay, let's, let's pray and fast for three days. So as Esther is, is fasting and praying, she makes her choice. I just like, can imagine like, the turmoil that's going on inside of her. And she's just like digging down deep inside herself to like, muster up all the strength she could possibly find. I mean, go there with me for a minute. Just put yourself in her shoes. Your entire race of people is about to be wiped off the face of the planet. And you're the only one that has the slightest possibility of saving them. That's, that's kind of like a big, a big deal. I would imagine that I would be a little bit nervous and a little bit like shaky and maybe like, oh crap, I could die. Like that's kind of a big deal. So while she's like digging down deep inside herself, I think Esther discovered something. She discovered that she was created to do this. She was created to save the nation of God's chosen people. She found her identity. She found that she was created strong, and she was created brave, and she was created smart by an almighty creator God. God made every single one of us. He created each of us different, and that's a lot of work. I mean, there's 7 billion people on the planet right now. And he specifically made me different than you and you and you. I was part of making two sweet little humans. And let me just tell you, it was a lot of work. I mean, I grew them in my body. And other things grew, you know, fat all over. I don't know. It was, it was not pretty. But for 40 weeks, I grew these sweet little humans in my body. And then not only did I just have to grow them, I had to like get them out of my body, okay? Um, I won't go there too much more. But it was, it was a lot of freaking work, okay? It was hard. It, it was a long 40 weeks, let me tell you. And God did all of this and so much more for each and every single one of us. Like every person ever created, not just like the 7 billion right now on this planet, but like ever from like Adam, like I can't even, I don't know if that's a number. That's so many people. 
because God has taken all of this time and this effort and thought into each and every single one of us, don't you think he's also taken the time and effort and, to, and the thought into why he created each of us? So here's one of my favorite parts of the story. So Mordecai and um, Esther are like, you know, going back and forth between the messenger that's, I'm sure, really out of breath at this point. And in Esther 4.14, it says, Mordecai is talking to Esther. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. I want to tell you all something. I need you to really listen to me. God doesn't make mistakes. He is perfect in all that he does. His timing is perfect. He's never too late. He's never too early. When he created you, when you were born in 2000 or 2001, whatever year, you guys are right in there, right? That was on purpose. There is a reason of why each one of us are here on this earth And maybe you don't know it yet, but, oh, there is a reason. And Esther just realized hers. Okay, story time. So remember, if the king doesn't hold out his golden scepter to Esther, she could die. So Esther 5, 1 through 3 says, On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes. I'm sure she, you know, she's trying to look all pretty and perfume and, you know, whatever. Gotta look good. So she entered the inner courts of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out his gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What's your request? I will give it to you, even if it's up to half my kingdom. And the crowd goes wild. Yay, up to half the kingdom. I wonder if I'd be a little bit tempted to be like, yeah, I'll take half the kingdom. And, and also, could you save my people? But of course she didn't because she's like, you know, unselfish and stuff. Do you know there's no limit to what we can ask God, our king? We can ask him anything we want. Matthew 7, 8 says, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So what do you need and want right now? Are you asking your king? Are you like desperately like praying and fasting to like get that from him? If no one has told you today or maybe ever, you were created for such a time as this to bring hope and to bring joy to those around you, maybe even to save a generation of lost people. If you believe that Jesus is your savior, that he died and rose again for you, then you just carry his favor. One of my favorite verses is in um, Hebrews 4.16. It says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I love the parallel here. Just like Esther was very bravely and very boldly approaching the throne of King Xerxes, we can do that with our king. This is like incredible news. We should be rejoicing that we have this access through Jesus to our king. There have been so many times in my life where I would would like timidly approach the throne of God, not realizing that that's what God wants. And, And just like Joe said, we do it reverently. We do it respectfully. But he wants us. He created us to come to him. 
God is so much better than we think he is. Okay, story time. I'm going to really shorten it here. But basically, Esther asked the king if he and Haman would come to a banquet she prepares for them. So they come. They drink a little wine. That might not be nursery. I don't know. They drink a little wine. Then the king asks Queen Esther, hey, honey, what do, you, what do you really want? I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she says so politely, will you and Haman come again tomorrow for, to another banquet I will prepare for you? It's kind of strange to me. Like, why didn't she just ask him? She's really smart, so I'm sure there's like some strategy there. But she said, come again tomorrow. I'm like, okay, just ask him, but whatever. So the next day, Haman and the king and the queen are at this next banquet that Esther had prepared. Again, the king is like, hey, sweetie, hey, what do you want? Just ask me. I will give you up to half my kingdom. So I want to pick it up here in Esther 7, 3 through 8. Esther replied, If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded? Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Queen Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and the queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out to the palace garden. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're running away. I don't know. Okay. okay. The king is really strange to me. Um, so, so Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In his despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was recl- reclining, just as the king was returning from the palace garden. Haman has a really bad timing, apparently. The king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in my palace before my eyes? As soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. And the crowd goes wild again. The enemy dies. And just to be a little bit more PG-13, he doesn't just, like, die. He was actually um, impaled on a 75-foot pole. I don't even really want to know how or what that would look like because I get really queasy, and that sounds awful. Um, But that's kind of horrific, Um, but God and his people prevail in the very shortest version of the story. You should really go read it. It's, it's really fascinating how God like intricately like laid out this whole story. It's just astonishing. And what's even more cool is that he just used people that were willing. It wasn't that like Mordecai and Queen Esther were like some superhuman people. No, they were just like available to what God wanted and was asking of them. Sometimes God might ask us to do hard things but he's not going to ask us to do something that he hasn't equipped us to do. Again, God is so much better than we think he is. He thinks about us constantly. He's obsessed with us. He's just waiting for us to come to him because he cares for us so deeply. What I really want you to take home tonight is that God created you with a purpose. He made you so intentionally with so much pride as your father. It says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves you. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, making no mention of your past sins. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. 
He is so happy with you that he rejoices over you with shouts of joy. He's not just like, oh, that Sienna, she'll do. Wah, wah. Oh, that Shasta, she'll do. Wah, wah. No, he's like, he's like so like excited about you. Like he's thought about you long before you were a twinkle in your mom's eye. It, said in, it says in Psalms 139, 16 through 17, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I went to a retreat recently, um, last week I think it was, and um, in that retreat, the Lord was very sweet, and he revealed something to me. But I've spent about the late, last eight years of my life thinking that God was disappointed in me because of a bad decision I had made in college. I knew God had forgiven me, but I really thought he was disappointed with me, literally until like a week and a half ago. So I, I started to like think that I needed the approval of others because I felt like God wasn't approving of me because I made a bad decision. And he just told me recently, Sarah, I'm not disappointed in you. And can I just tell you like the weight that has been lifted off of me because God is not disappointed in me. He's not disappointed because of something I did eight years ago. He's forgiven me and that's not how he wants me to live. He wants me to live confidently knowing that like I can approach him because he like loves me and he's like, crazy about having that time with me. If you aren't sure who your creator says you are, ask him. He wants to tell you all about who he created you to be and why. It's something that I'm doing in my life right now, and it's literally blowing my mind that, like, God thinks I'm awesome. Like, he's, like, telling me, like, all these really cool things about myself. I'm like, Cool, that's, that's great, God. I'll take it. And all you have to do is ask. And you know who doesn't get to tell you who you are? Is the enemy. Or my cousin that made fun of me because my younger sister got a better score on the ACT than I did. And I spent a lot of time believing that I was stupid and dumb. Or anyone that ever put me down and thought less of me than what my God thinks of me. No. They will not get a say in who I am or who you are. No one gets to tell you who you are except the one who created you with a purpose, on purpose. Ask him. He wants to tell you. He might just ask you to save a nation. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much that you care so deeply for us, that you are like crazy about us and you think that we're like special, like so special that you took time and effort and thought into like how we were created to be and like with our personalities and the way we look, like you, you thought of every detail about us. And so right now, Lord, I just pray that these students, that this orange team would make space to hear from you, that they would make space for you to speak truth into them about who they are, who you created them to be, and why. God, you're so good. You're so much better than we think you are. I pray that you bless each and every person here tonight. Keep them safe. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.